we're being measured with everything all the time and that does, does scare some people for sure i mean i think there's a unique lens with the voice where, where a voice tone right where we can that authenticity or communication or understanding like that human quality can be amplified if we like embrace it i i mean someone said like oh what if they know you're lying i'm like i mean isn't that kind of like a good thing ai a rapidly evolving field that has the potential to transform every aspect of our lives, from the way we work and communicate to the way we think about and solve problems. Join me as I chat with the founders, builders, and innovators in the industry about the latest advancements in AI and how they're changing the way we live, work, and interact with technology. My name is Kevin Rosenquist. Welcome to Zero Shot. My guest today is Sean Austin, the CEO and co-founder of Helios Life Enterprises, a pioneer in voice-based tonal analysis. They are on a mission to harness the power of voice tone to predict company performance and earnings surprises. Sean, welcome. Thank you for having me. Your journey in the world of AI and audio technology spans several years in various influential companies, including Spotify and Fueled, uh, app Health. Can you share some pivotal moments or experiences that shaped your understanding of AI and its potential to transform industries? Yeah, absolutely. So it's funny because AI has been a term, I mean, I guess before I was even around <laughs> as a human being. So <laughs> I got into it when I was in college. Um, it meant something different then. It means something different now. But it's always been this intersection of intelligence, as you can imagine, right? But intelligence from uh, computing. So this is something that I've been always interested in since I guess I was like 17 um, pivotal moments definitely came from uh, getting the opportunity through the first acquisition that Spotify did to see audio blended with um, big, basically big, you know, big data, large scale ML. So this wasn't uh, a chat GPT anything, you know, apparently they've deployed LLMs now for their, um, their AI, like their AI DJ. Mm -hmm. But back then this was now, I mean, uh, well, like a decade ago. <laughs> so this was in their first acquisition, but that, um, uh, power to take data, right? So this is, I guess, tens of millions of songs at the time, you know, um, maybe a hundred million users, I guess. So all this information happening and drive unique um, recommendations was at the AI, right? That was the ML, the data science, the, the AI at the time, which was cutting edge, you know, from my point, I guess, 20 years ago, something even before then was cutting edge called AI. But it gave right smart computing, it gave intelligence to basically non-intelligent, just a data well. So that was probably the most formative moment. There's, you know, I'd say the most recent was my company, but to finish the Spotify thought that, um, you know, 10 years ago, you, you see what's possible, right? So this is now at, you know, a little bit of luck to get in there, but to see at scale, how powerful and how unique and how, um, I'd say transformative data could be right like you need a lot of it but all of a sudden we're making recommendations no one can do you see the metrics turn up in a good way um su super formative right so it got me hooked on it got me hooked in audio and my company now helios um is working on voice ai for capital markets so as you mentioned extracting tone which is the inflection the how you speak the piece of us that sort of is like the emotion in voice to um, analyze ceos <clears throat> which is sort of meta because because uh, that's my position, but public CEOs right now. So at some point, maybe we'll be a public company. We'll analyze me. We'll, we'll sort of do that, <laughs> do that dance, which would be the cool moment. But we are um, the only company doing it. It is certainly influenced, like I mentioned, by Spotify because it's audio. 
but now it's 10 years forward and we're doing things that are that weren't even possible five years ago or three years ago. So I would you know, certainly say that's formative to me because now we can deploy 500,000 hours of audio training in the cloud and not spend $10 million. We can um, <clears throat> make inferences right in real time that were not quite available. So we're, we've been able to build a startup because the ecosystem enables it. And now actually we're starting to even look at how Gen AI can help us uh, summarize some of this first party, you know, unique data. So lots of, um, I mean, those are some unique moments for sure, spanning the last, you know, 10, 10, 11 years, technically. Well, I, as a, I'm a music lover and, and obviously a podcaster and, and Spotify has, has been amazing for me for years now. I mean, the ability to kind of help me find new stuff and kind of tell what I'm going to, you know, different songs I might like, different artists I might like. What, when you you kind of said that that it's AI kind of meant something different, Where, how do you see? Obviously, the last five six months have changed the game dramatically since GPT, yeah. GPT came out. What, how did you see that sort of transition over over the longer term? Right. So when I was in school, even I mean, we we actually looked at like I guess you'd call them chatbots, but there was no capabilities to. I mean, I guess you could maybe envision what it is now, but it certainly was. Um, I mean, very, in my, you know, very rudimentary. So we, we and I, I mean, sort of our thinking of AI, I guess the best way to say this was I'd always like a, a kin with like data analytics or big data. So building a set of, you know, models on top of big data that allowed you to have some sort of prediction. So for Spotify, it was around predicting what you liked based upon being able to deconstruct, um, music qualities so things like energy or like tempo or these 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 properties and then get you to what you just said uh, um, something you like so the change i think i mean certainly i'm narrowly around audio i guess so that's that's been similar the ability to actually deploy this has changed for me like being able to build a company um and not, you know, Spotify spent $100 million on their ML company. We have not spent $100 million yet on, on Helios. So that has been a big change. The sort of like feasibility, the um, open source community around it, the tooling, that's been a massively upgraded over 10 years. The last six months or even 12 months, really, with at least my involvement with um, Gen AI is now, I think, a new wave. So if you can think of a, you know, delineation, it's... It's very much your, you know, this this ability has gone up a order of magnitude. So if I, you know, think about the three hops, if it was basically a hundred million to get access to these these tools, I've been able to build a startup in the last five years, really in the last three years, that can deploy it. So now there's feasibility and applicability um, enabled to train my own models. What I see with the LLM stuff is everyone now is training their own model. I mean, this whole this mm -hmm. whole world of do it on prem, like pull it down yourself. There's different types of models. You have different, uh, what was it like site GPT I just saw, which, um, you can upload PDFs to train your own models. I think about it in terms of like cost reduction feasibility, but I, I haven't seen a lot of people say like, or a lot of people don't even know, I should say they're training their own, like a system, right. In the same sense of what model inferences are, they're just sort of feeding information. They get it configured. They can start interacting with it. So it's been, you know, I think massively important to get it accessible. I've seen that change. And clearly it's more of a narrative around like um, linguistics or like a, a conversational UI is what AI means right now. 10 years sure. ago, if you said AI, 
I don't think that would have been the case. Like thematically, I think it would have been the big data piece I mentioned. Yeah, and I think most people would have just immediately thought of robots if you asked them that, you know, <laughs> they, even they six months are. ago, you know, and now, now, yeah, now it's chatbots and now it's text-based and everything like that. And I'm sure it'll, I'm sure it'll switch again in a handful of years, but it, like definitely the the cost reduction and access to get these has been has been an undertone for for probably more like thirty years, but I've at least seen it firsthand for yeah, better part of a decade. Yeah, I, I saw that. Uh, Sam Altman, CEO of OpenAI, said something about the we're at the end of large the really big large language models and everything's going to be more to your point what you said before everyone's going to be kind of doing much smaller things on their own. Yep, I saw uh, the CEO of Replit. Um, mm-hmm. he, that is a like um, large. I don't even know how to do to do it justice, but I use it. But it's like a big IDE basically in the cloud. So I actually was part of their crowdfunding, and they uh, they just seem like a great great company that I've been using them, but they, uh, he says something similar with actually the, the compute now to keep going is becoming a problem. So there's a scale issue with going beyond, but I mean, I guess like everything we sort of solve it out as a, as a species, but I would say mm-hmm. like just the, the fact that now people can like access this, they're building their own, um, LLMs on their computer, right. They're training it on the certain data. It just changes the game on thinking about this whole like machine learning pipeline, right. This AI yeah. pipeline, which has not, um, has always been there, but I mean, I worked at Klarna uh, seven years ago, and it took a team of us, me on the product side, to build machine learning systems that could just deploy models. So, right, meant for finance. But that you know that is now faster and faster and faster, and yep. you know, um, more and more powerful. Side note: We had someone. Uh, I interviewed someone from Replit. Got oh. to learn a lot. Got to learn about that company. <laughs> so it was yeah, it's a very great. cool. It's a really cool product. I think they also just got even more cash infused, but they they have a really cool product. Yeah, we were they they've got a lot of buzz going about them right now, and they uh, they definitely have a very cool product. Yeah, Ghostwriter, whoever yep. thought of that and did it in the right way. It's uh, yeah. another example actually of of training your LLMs. They're they're a pretty smart group, I'm sure, but like this ability to right uh, personalize it and and use it in cool ways. So great, yeah. you know, great product. Impressive. What uh, what aspects of AI have you found most challenging to work with as it changes? As it changes, I think the, well, so it's not even, so when I say like the applicabilities become easier, I guess, and the scale right enables it, I'm still challenged with, for us, so a little bit unique, but I guess it does apply backwards, is the, um, like, just just understanding what you're trying to do before you train and there's some time involved in that and, and actually just deploying compute. So an example is we want to build models on a you know almost a half a million hour audio data set and we're trying to build research on it, which is really data science, right? And ultimately an AI application. That is a incredibly hard problem. <laughs> it takes the mm. smartest people I've ever met in my life to do that part. Like the infrastructure, which is what I was like, um, category of what I was saying before. So the infrastructure is becoming cheaper. You can deploy these things. You can access certain tools. It doesn't cost you a hundred million. So not only the Spotify's of the world, which we're all seeing, but they're still for what we're doing when you're really trying to understand, I guess, new data and build these sort of pieces. I mean, it's really just like I assume the open AI team, right? Like you have very hardcore 
top tier academics and science, which to me, I mean, I am not one of those individuals. I can Join appreciate it. I can work with them. Right. <laughs> so there's almost like um, a democratization on one end of the fence. I don't know an answer on how the other side gets done. I guess if when the machines can be the academics and do these things, we got something, something scary going on. <laughs> so I don't know if I want that to happen, but that is definitely a challenge for, I think any AI company. So anyone doing big data ML it's, you need, you know, you're asking like really tough questions. You're literally cipher, um, scouring through uh, research papers, but we're doing to try to connect dots that are, you know, very, very complicated. And all this is before you like deploy anything or train anything. And then on top of it, if you're training big data, like we were just saying with the Replit comment is um, the CEO from Replit is there's a, for us, like training across that audio, even with monster machines is a really, really long process, actually, like longer than you think. So I would, I, I know those are common across like similar data sets um, and similar, you know, kind of like pioneering work. And I can imagine like, you know, that's why Spotify hired the smartest um, and bought the smartest PhDs who did music uh, ML because they're going to pioneer this group. But every single scenario, I'm sure, is the same. I know it's the same. Um, that That's a tough one, right? So you can do a lot of, I think, now, like fast AI, right, because it's accessible. But using us as an example, it's it's not like we can find audio engineering, PhDs, and economics all over the world. So it's a very, you know, still a very, like, um, slow, tough expert process, I think, upstream. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about Helios. Um, I gave kind of a broad strokes intro for the to it. Talk talk more about exactly what the product does. Yeah, so we kind of gave like weird weird teasers to it, but we um, <laughs> are the only company right now in the world. Hopefully, we have competition one day, but uh, right now it's it's a unique offering where we are really trying to bring that thirty eight percent of a message that is voice tone. So on average in a conversation from sales to this podcast to me talking to my my new puppies, I guess there's voice tone there. But on average it's thirty eight percent. That's different. <laughs> yeah, right. That's that's all voice tone. They they can't <laughs> that's understand all hundred percent. But the yeah. voice yeah right. The voice tone uh of course, I mean an average, right? So the average is thirty eight percent from about last thirty five years, forty years of academic literature. That um is not, I mean, everyone knows this too, actually, it's not incorporated into our compute, um, like our applications really. So there's some people doing it like in healthcare. So you can do like early onset Parkinson's detection from your voice tremors. That I think is amazing work and very important work. There are people thinking about it for sales calls. So if we're talking and I'm, I'm pitching you and I'm in a big, you know, um, the CIO has a big, you know, organization they can start or CRO, they can start to see, uh, how that could impact like close, for instance, so important, right? Uh, conversion metrics that's being looked at what's not being looked at. And we sort of, I mean, are lucky in the sense that we can do it and now have, have pioneered work in the, in the space, but no one's doing it for capital markets for incredibly important, uh, calls that move the markets billions of dollars. So in one sort of extreme sense, we're trying to eliminate scenarios where there's lack of transparency, like the the uh, Enrons of the world, right? Not that we could totally uh, cipher it out from voice tone, but imagine more transparency in these calls. I mean, totally, you know, part of my French lack of the the bullshit that exists out there. So that Mm -hmm. is a key piece of our mission. Um, Getting that data out there can be done in different ways. So getting it right now to the most sophisticated hedge funds uh, through data feeds is what we do. So any um, quantitative hedge funds listening, they can certainly uh, get a product from us right now. 
but the rest of the world will be getting a report from us that says things like, did you hesitate 30% more than normal? Are your words not in alignment with your tone? So did you say a bunch of positive words, but your tone was a, like a bearish tone? That, that divergence is an important signal. Um, those sorts of like um, insights that you can get from voice tone are what we're bringing to the table. And right now, you know, like I said, we have a product meant for data scientists. We're now actually just launching this month the uh, insights report. But that is a way for traders, really like buy side traders, asset managers across the board to make better decisions, right? Be more aware of the leadership of companies. Hmm. What you, you mentioned getting rid of the the bullshit, but was there any anything in particular that inspired this creation of Helios? I'd say, so we knew we wanted to start a company. This is the, I should probably start with the cooler part of the story, but the, <laughs> I guess the, the transparent part of even what we're doing is my co-founder and I, co-founder and I have known each other quite a long time. <clears throat> He's the academic on the product side of it and, and kind of commercial side from all these things I've done. But we, he actually advised my first company 15 years ago, which is sort of how we met. Uh, fast forward, you know, when we started Helios five years ago or a little, a little over five years ago, the goal was um, when I moved back to the area where he lived is we could certainly build something. We've been in touch. We you know thought about this. And so really it was actually a commercial scientific thinking of what what's a high value conversation around voice, right? So some systematized way of kind of pinpointing it. On the flip side, though, I think there's um, maybe weren't as explicit on it, but he and I both have, I think, uh, almost like the underdog thinking. So he built a field of science. He's used to like presenting. I went through a lot of kind of corporate-ish America and the like fakeness, for lack of a better word, certainly got um, is kind of ingrained in our head. I mean, we've, we've thought about it. We So there's probably a 50-50 split. It's a uh, it has, it's actually probably, I would be honest, has actually like swelled the more we built Helios talking to people because like people will say, oh, we know we've listened to earnings calls for 20 years or they're just saying positive words. You know, we know it's really about the tone or we train corporate um, leaders as an investor relations team. We know that we tell them it's not what you're saying, it's how you deliver it. So I hear all these things and it's kind of like empowering because we're, it's making, it's going to make a huge impact. Like we're just getting research out there this year with um, some very established academic uh, universities, like some universities that are the top in the world. So once that starts to go out and we're on these papers and we've had years of doing this, I'm pretty certain there's like a watershed moment where everyone's going to pile in and it'll be a pretty, probably only topped by me getting analyzed by my company. So we'll wait for, uh, <laughs> this will be a good, uh, I guess, stepping stone to that one. You're not you're not running one of these things on me right now, are you? No, we haven't figured out that web that web widget yet. <laughs> but it is on public data. We've had people ask, like, uh, you know, it's all public accessible audio, so sure. certainly privacy and all these things are critical. And you know, we'd um, think of a world where you would, you know, actually you could turn it on, like all the what are those the transcription um, bots and things, right? That exist, mm -hmm. and you could just turn one on and say, like, all right, well, of course it's going to tell you, or but. Um, could be in a lot of these could be in i think everything honestly anything with audio can you can you i know you can't talk about everything but can you talk a little bit about the tech that goes into into helios and how it works yeah i mean a little bit i mean certainly because it's an ai podcast it's a lot of problems that i've well there's more problems like i had a what are they like uh, a part of the chain but i've mentioned a few of them which could be interesting to listeners like when we started, we 
certainly had to make smart decisions on how we're going to do infrastructure. We picked Google because they're at the time and they still pretty much are, but like a very modern infrastructure to do cloud deployments and training. So those sorts of pieces are, are proprietary, but they're not like, you know, everything we've built, obviously stringing Google cloud together becomes, you know, IP, but that, um, is really like how you ingest a lot of data, right? We knew we were trying to get after literally billions of hours at the end of the day, we're going to start with a hundred hours, but we really needed hundreds of thousands to make, um, a meaningful data set. So that's a definitely a common problem. I mean, if I was approaching any and have looked at other companies and helped, you know, like Apti Health is you need to understand the data you're going to go after. You need to start thinking of the questions you could be asked about it in the future. Not everyone's doing audio data, which has its own, you know, um, qualities. But like, for instance, the healthcare side was you need to do PHI and, and HIPAA, right? Like those are important, uh, like critical qualities of the data. Yeah. So that infrastructure, you know, that weighs on the infrastructure. So I think there's, um, you know, it's uh, important thinking, right, as you go into any endeavor, and it doesn't have to be a startup. I mean, any existing data set, if you're in a big company or something, you would, you would, uh, I guess, benefit from thinking through some of those questions that will be asked <clears throat> on it, and then you pick accordingly. But the like the technology, that's the heart of what we do is that extraction of the audio. So we get fed MP3s from our partner fact set and our secret sauce, which you know, parts of it, obviously we can't talk about, but what we do is deconstruct MP3 files into meaningful components of speech. So kind of our questions were like the hardest question, which sounds easy, but maybe sounds easy, but certainly not is like, what do you measure from a speech? So are you measuring the one Hertz band every two milliseconds? Is that your sample size or sampling rate? Like there's literally like an infinite space almost. So that's where we've seen people well, I think that's why a lot of people haven't done it or nobody's done it is a, you have to do a lot of spend on research in terms of money and time to compute and B, these questions haven't been, um, answered before us really. So, I mean, there's no, um, like with language, you can go look at all the different research papers that say, Oh, we did, you know, we did this and you can learn from them and basically try to apply them, commercialize them. We, um, in a, in a crazy way said, if we figure out the research, we're building a moat for ourselves if we can survive. And then we certainly have now um, pioneered something. So having a group of people who want to pioneer uh, work has been pretty, pretty incredible. But that deconstruction to your question, that deconstruction into what features matter, and then ultimately being able to serve it through that infrastructure is the heart of what we do, because we can say, all right, Quant Hedge Fund, do you, would you rather buy a bunch of MP3 files? from a company and figure out all these questions that you had to figure out everything or you buy meaningful data and you can apply your own modeling techniques. And for them, they're building their kind of like financial AI, right? Like financial mm -hmm. trading AI. How have you been able to do a lot of testing? Have users been able to, to use the product to give you some information? So, so the, uh, I laugh because they won't give us information back because the mm -hmm. hedge fund will, buy it but not tell you why they're buying it because that yep. would give away an edge but buying it's a signal renewing it's a signal and yeah renewing yeah, it renewing is definitely multiple yeah. years is a signal so we've had all that happen from some major major hedge funds which is great uh, so that's validation we've spent years validating it so our white papers on our website um, which certainly isn't right now uh, published through a journal but you can it's written as if it was from our chief scientific officer and all of that outline outlines three and a half years of research now. So an extremely 
rigorous 12, 13 pages at this point of, of what we've done. And then the last part, I mentioned the um, universities. So they basically took our commercial product, right? We just give them a non-commercial license and they have done their own work. So we're seeing incredibly, like incredible results. So those will actually go into papers starting the summer. We anticipate from the couple of universities we're working with, there's probably a steady stream of papers that will be coming, like many papers, I think, where you know, we see the, the results are almost too good to be true. But if no one has this data, it's very like um, important work for academia because they can show, right, they're not, they're doing something new, right? That's the whole point. And that layer of validation is, I mean, I'd say the customer is most important. The academics are pretty important when you get there. And then our own stuff is driven by an academic who's got a um, pretty uh, accomplished resume of, you know, of work. You're, you're right now pretty focused or exclusively focused on the financial world, it seems. Do you see other use cases for this down the road Would where you might expand into other areas? If so, like what, what, what are you thinking you might do with it? Yeah, so there's a, there's a bunch. I mean, the super high vision, I guess, is that this needs to be an, like kind of like Twilio is what I've used a lot or um, I mean, there's other infrastructure, but it's like every interaction could benefit from voice tone. Some cool ones that we are contemplating, but capital markets will keep us busy for a while, but have, have dug into a bit are things like um, consumer research for marketing. So consumer research, there's teams like data teams, as you can imagine, like a lot of spaces that want to understand the data that they produce. Uh, important one across entertainment, uh, advertising, entertainment, you know, like media are you know, consumer insights. So, you know, did we make a, a one minute commercial for this podcast? And if it's a big enough podcast, right, people are spending a lot on it. Or if it's a huge TV show, I don't know, the latest movie, right, has trailers. All these have now, you know, media content that they want to optimize and understand. So those are run through a lot of different um, kind of like panel settings, different, you know, digital. Some some are in person. Some are like movie theater screenings. But basically, you ask questions. And, of course, you're talking to people. And people, of course, will respond if you're asking them, like asking, they will respond with their voice. So we've um, seen that as a big opportunity. It's mm-hmm. very, I mean, really the reason is there's so much like, so much being spent in that space where it's now another opportunity where 38% is not being captured. We've done this cursory research where there doesn't seem to be people uh, attacking it either. So, you know, will we be the first ones there? Pro- probably not. But we'd have a pretty compelling story, which is we have a, a battle-tested, hedge fund-worthy, billions of dollars could be on the line a uh, platform that seems, I think, and here's all this academic literature, right? That's pretty unique for a company. I mean, a startup won't have that usually um, at the door. So hopefully that like maturity gets us an opportunity to tackle some other spaces, but cybersecurity with deep fakes comes up. Um, yeah, that's a good call. That one is closer to the finance space, but there's some, sure. some thinking there. And then, um, Dating. Uh, How about dating? Date, dating was the last one. But that actually yeah. come up all the time. Was that really so going to be the last one? It's it's almost like sales. Like there's a way we've thought about it. But dating <laughs> has been just asked joking, a lot. But it's come I mean, up a bunch. I, I, it's like I'm, affinity. I'm, I'm married, but uh, yeah. I definitely <laughs> like you know been down that road as most of us have. So like that, yeah, that would be yep. that would come in very handy. It's like it's like this um, affinity metric, right? Like you can like with sales, I think. So our uh, chief revenue officer. Uh, Kevin talks about all the time, like his his tonal understanding and life and why. So you know, in with, with in with us and you know, whole you know, uh, deep end with us is 
he couldn't imagine doing any sales without tone, right? Like if you couldn't hear it and you couldn't understand that affinity, then you're, you're going to be like really ineffective basically. Like right? you won't be as effective as you could be. So he's used that example in our discussions. I totally get it. I mean, I do kind of a lot of sales now and just having friends, right? Anybody kind of knows it. If you can start to understand when you're in, in like congruence or affinity, uh, that's pretty important, <laughs> pretty important, I think for having a good conversation. So, so you said dating is almost the same, right? Like it's a sort of, in a weird way, a sales-ish call. No, it is. It to- not even a weird <laughs> way. It totally is. It totally is. No monetary so, transaction, but it's no monet- uh, Hopefully not. I mean, not, no, well, that's not, not called dating anymore. Don't I don't think. Don't worry. That's right. <laughs> so there's no. So there's these layers of like meeting people, right? Like call it sales, call it right dating, call it just relationship building. Uh, it could be account management, which I guess is downstream from up. You know, when I'm thinking upstream sales, when you meet someone, so sure. just all these conversations could be i think benefited from you know could benefit from having um tonal pieces we do know companies like companies are looking at that so i'm i'm for what it's worth i'm okay not being the first one in every space because it's really challenging to drive all this um especially also not with hundreds of millions of dollars right so our our thinking right is if we can see some of these mature spaces healthcare actually made the the comment on the one in healthcare we um We've thought about it for, for actually behavioral healthcare because I worked in that space too as a chief product officer, right? If you're building a relationship with a patient through telehealth, that's now this sort of diagnostic and affinity layer. So tons and tons of examples of it. I think uh, hopefully a lot of people get in the space. Hopefully hearing me gets them excited too. I mean, I mm-hmm. want to try to build, um, you know, my, my agenda is building an ecosystem around it because it sort of will lift, you know, lift all boats. Undoubtedly, though, there's this type of technology is going to make some people uncomfortable, you know, knowing that someone is giving them almost like a polygraph uh, in, during communications. I mean, what do you what do you say to the people who who voice concerns about it? So funny thing is we call our new product the earnings polygraph, which is trademarked now. But we want that to be known. So we actually on the on the flip of it for our space right now, and I think it's actually applicable to all spaces is like fidelity or. um What's the word like um, authenticity can come through if you use your voice tone. So being aware of it, which is an example of I had a voice coach for our South by Southwest pitch or a true coach who also coached me on my voice, not because I was trying to conceal something, but because I was a little less like self-aware, which is mm-hmm. not good for, for a company doing voice tone probably. But that <laughs> that awareness was very um, critical, right? So that's one layer. And now I actually think I mean, I wouldn't say I emote better, but I communicate probably better through voice tone. And that's why I bought this microphone, which is a sure, so I can communicate better and people can hear my voice tone. But you sound that's great. The, the, well, I appreciate that. I just don't hold it. <laughs> I, I like holding it here if I want to look, look cool. <laughs> but the, the um, like this whole, like you said, it like almost scared. People are scared of it. We're being measured with everything all the time. And that just does scare some people for sure. I mean, I think there's a unique lens with the voice where a voice tone right where we can that authenticity or communication or understanding like that human quality can be amplified if we like embrace it i i mean someone said like oh what if they know you're lying i'm like i mean isn't that kind of like a good thing (laughs) overall for Mm -hmm. everybody like i can't think of with a lot of technology it seems like there's more negative use cases to be honest with you i guess i'm pretty biased so anyone listening can take that with a grain of salt but i have been asked since day one like I, I know people get afraid instantly 
because it's measuring because it's like tapping into them more deeply and if i say what i kind of just said to you i see people's reaction and i see them think about it differently because I, I think about it 24 hours a day mm-hmm. but there is a realness and i think it needed one where the flip would be why don't you just have for ceos why don't you just have a synthetic voice speak for you monotone on your calls i mean I'd rather wouldn't, I mean, I personally would not ever want that. I'd rather have me talk and yes, everything's not always rosy. And yes, I've never done it on a public earnings call yet, but I mean, it just seems like there's been some weird erosion of like authenticity, which probably is why we get horrible at sometimes meltdowns or scenarios that include fraud, right? These big problems. I mean, so I hope it's a positive. I think it is. And I know we called it earnings polygraph because I named it. Because if people know they're being recorded, it by itself will change their behavior. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Just the idea of that you could be analyzing their tone will make maybe make them be a little more honest. At the, at the level they don't. More. Yeah, right. I know that the the whole history with the polygraph that did the um, GSR, like your uh, galvanic skin response and your heart rate, which certainly wasn't like a lie detector, even though that was the news, newspaper term for it. The big value is it would get people to act differently when they knew they were being recorded by something they didn't quite understand. So it actually helped elicit uh, some good, right? It wasn't like a negative device. It just, it wasn't infallible. You know, it wasn't this perfect, you know, thing. So we're a piece of the information that exists. We're not like making um, crime or what's more like legal judgments on people with our technology, right? But it's another Mm -hmm. piece that can help you understand a conversation. And if someone's really bearish with their tone it's out of alignment with their text they don't sound like the same person that they usually do because all of these sound qualities like have morphed which we detect too you know we're not also saying the line again but it would be great to understand why these phenomena have occurred it could be they're super sick hopefully not on an earnings call if they're really sick but it could be that they're extremely concerned of the future extremely excited and that seems like worth you know worth uh pursuing getting out there in the broader scope of AI, what are your thoughts on the on the ethical concerns being raised about the technology, and and what do you think that AI companies need to do to develop the technology responsibly? Yeah, right. So when I, so I think it there is a lot that needs to be done. So we are an AI company, but we're not creating like synthetic characters almost or like the the Chat GBTs, right? So we're not. We couldn't be misconstrued for uh, a person, I guess, is an important piece of it, right? right? It is certainly AI tech. It certainly is super complicated and using some ML, uh, lots of ML. But I think there's a, a very important blend where if you can, I guess you're creating content or it somehow could be interpreted um, more closely as a human being. I'm thinking of all the, the language stuff now. There is, uh, I think, dramatic ramifications because it's almost like impersonation. And people seem to use it. <laughs> There's ways to use it immediately to that. So we, um, so actually, so I'm a proponent for like as much like deep understanding of these. I wouldn't say the regulation part, but I'm definitely in favor of trying to understand it, trying to promote like, um, like what's the voice one that's, it's not quite the same, but it's um, the Open Voice Network, OVON, which is a Linux foundation, um, like consortium, I guess, or committee, whatever the right word is, but they are, a group of people who are, are spending time and volunteering to promote standards and thinking about interoperability and thinking about privacy and on the voice lens, um, not AI specific, but I'm a huge proponent of 
um, trying to advance those. I think there are real concerns, like any advanced technology, like like nuclear weapons, right? Have regulation, right? right? Those are advanced technologies. So I think it's I'm a little less um, maybe scared than some people. But I definitely think it's real. You know, clearly you can see like impersonations. We know with people um, creating synthetic voice, there's like deep fake concerns, right? There's real ways to use this um, in a negative way. So however we could promote it, I mean, I don't think government could lock it down. That seems impossible and not, um, I mean, basically not possible in something that was against the values of our nation. But it is definitely uh, important, I think, however we can resource it or However, we can make sure it's part of the conversation as much as possible. That seems critical to me, you know, just given how how advanced, really how advanced and um, powerful some of this technology can be. Well, you use the nuclear uh, nuclear weapon uh, analogy, and do, do you feel that governments need to play a role in establishing a, a global ethics framework for AI? I, th- I think they. I mean, I don't have personally a lot of. I think the world's a little tougher to to uh, see government be super functional, to be honest. But I think there are ways for that to be done. And I don't think it's a hard, um, what's the thing they just, they, the the petition they signed, like a couple thousand yeah, the people. Open, right? The open letter, yeah. Yeah, the open letter petition, right? So that was like a hard, um, I don't know, like moratorium, right? For six months or something like that. So that or that was what was proposed. That I think is the wrong way to do it. I'm definitely not, right, uh, uh, have not written any of this legislation before. But I think as long as, I think it could be done, I guess is my point, right? It should be, it could be totally botched, which is, I guess, where I think it would happen, unfortunately. Which well, I one guess of the, the biggest signers of that open letter is already putting money into AI, so. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, so it's always, I mean, that's what I'm saying. I think like it's, I, I mean, first, unfortunately, I think it's not going to be as good as it should be. I mean, if we keep promoting even the conversation like this, we're super critical, right? People thinking about it, realizing, yeah, it is a little more important. I think that's going to help keep it in the discussion and should um, I can say, like, for instance, me personally, something I'm doing is trying to get involved to educate uh, New York State legislature. So working with some of the lobby lobbying groups that are like right um, home. Actually, they do more than New York, but some that basically focus on that type of work. So they know AI is coming fast. They know legislature and um, representatives certainly probably can't understand it as fast than people in the space, which I can certainly appreciate. I don't understand. I mean, look at, look at the questioning <laughs> of the TikTok CEO or whatever oh, yeah, that right. was. The, those questions <laughs> yeah, right, you were just right. like, have these people ever seen TikTok? Yeah, I don't think no, they have. They haven't. <laughs> they, 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 uh, I thought I didn't so, know much in there. Right. Yeah. Seriously. They made, it made me feel like a genius. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no, well, I was I, like, Oh, I guess I'm not way off. Yeah. You're right though. That's good that you're doing that. Cause that's the way, you know, getting people educated at the, at the, the government level, you know, giving, getting these people to understand what the technology is and how it works is, it's crucial if they're yeah, going to be making and, decisions on the future of it. And your point on the TikTok is, is got me thinking about it. Luckily I knew some people actually, some of them reached out. So that was very opportune, but, but what you just said is a perfect example. Like if there was, I can't imagine if there was more education, it could be worse, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe yeah. marginally better, but yeah, right. Yeah. I hope not, but it would certainly, so it could be marginally better or it could be a lot better. So I'm going to take the the guess that it could be a lot better if you could actually get ahead of it. And I mean, I, it's unfortunate that I can't go like next week cause they still move slow, but even in a couple of months, um, you know, spending like a day where their goal is to help like educate, not only the lobbying group or groups, but also now some of the attendees are representatives from New York state. And then of course, like ultimately trying to push more of the information up. I think that's a, 
piece of the puzzle. It's not going to solve everything, but those sort of things could be certainly more people, more influence could promote it. Or you got people like Elon Musk certainly says, pay attention to it, even though he does some, some whack, wacky things that I can't comment on, but he uh, at least does say not, pay attention. It's not what this podcast is about, but I agree. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. we, we can't go to that. That no. rabbit hole is a whole, whole different podcast. Well, we podcast. need a lot more time for that. I know. It's not even an episode. It's a series. But that... Um, well, it's a whole podcast. But like, yeah, right. But elevating it, I think, like your question, right, is important. And I don't. I would put it on, you know, one of the most important technologies I've seen, you know, because of the advancements mm-hmm. recently, for sure. Especially the speed of it as well. Yeah, the, yeah speed through either the technologists or the adoption because of the use case. You know, I've, I've never mm-hmm. seen something, and I guess there's numbers, right, to 100 million users, there's never been something faster you know, social media has its own positives and horrible negatives that have been proven. It's almost guaranteed, right? Something would be the same way. But now it's sure. what uh, one, I don't even know the, the number, 10 times faster than social media apps or something. So clearly captivating, clearly entrenched and uh, no way it goes, the genie goes back in the bottle. No, definitely not. I agree there. Let's, uh, let's switch gears. A lot of our, a lot of our listeners are, are engineers aspiring engineers pretend you're a career coach and a young aspiring AI engineer asked you what they should focus on in their career path. What would you say? Like, what is, what is it that people need to have in order to kind of get involved with, with where tech is going right now and get involved in a meaningful way? I would say open source, open source. (laughs) So getting involved in, any of these communities, right? So, I mean, I, I think college could help in some certain courses. All these things I think are fine. But if it was really like honed down, I wish I actually was more deeply involved still. I wasn't in, in my college career. I got involved in open source technology from a freshman, luckily through um, an endowment at my school. So you could actually like do this and actually make a tiny bit of stipend. But I th- that is, was instrumental. I actually did it around applications. I did it around some, some um, software. It was not all, all AI or data. Uh, at the time, but definitely uh, that contribution, that community around it, that learning, I thought was was phenomenal for all four years. Um, you certainly don't have to be in a college to do it. It was nice that I got the stipend and it was kind of, you know, small stipend, but it was set up. But I've seen the explosion with the ML stuff, like hugging, hugging face and the community mm-hmm. around all these companies, even just going on Twitter, right? Like it is so, I think, key to like have that practical application with the community and the fact you can actually use these basically best in class tools, right? Like you, you could access most of them that people would use who are building companies. So I would make that the thread, which is, you know, I don't, I don't know if that's a super unique answer because people maybe are thinking about it, but at least I would stress it, right? Like there's so much to be gained from working with people who are in the space, who, you know, know these tools and that gives you an edge because those are important, you know, tool chains to know, you know, I, again, I've definitely not as close as I wish I was still, but it's, um, yeah, I saw four years of it every, you know, basically every day for four years I did it. And that was, I, I think, very um, important. You've uh, you've got an internship that you're looking to fill for the summer, correct? Yep. What uh, Talk about what you're looking for. Yep. So definitely a person who heard everything I said and is interested in the world of voice. So that's a prerequisite. If not, they probably won't care about what I'm saying or have not even listened this far. But the, the um, kind of like that, that startup mentality, I, you know, joking aside, is pretty important for us. Like it is interesting to see people who have not been in startups and it doesn't quite, 
quite mesh. So internship, because it's only for the summer right now, we're still a growing company, so we really can't pull in a full FTE. Also internship, because it's exploratory. So I'm looking to have basically an intern work with me to think about, explore, almost like prototype um, all the different ways we could use Gen AI on top of our report. So if I think about training LLMs on um, really anything that we build, like any insight we build, I think to myself, like if we can use that new, what is it, GPT for uh, image recognition, basically, right? They showed like reading reports. I can't wait to see what that could do with our report, but mm-hmm. certainly you don't have to use the image part. So I, who knows when that launches anyway, but the idea that we have this first party data that's driving insights and we're building the graphs and building the widgets and building the language, some of it's auto summarized and some things, and of course generated metrics, but what I'm trying to do is figure out a way to make that better, to maybe make it interactive, but it starts for us with prototyping, partially because we can't throw a full FTE at a, a research project yet, um, partially because I don't fully understand it, honestly, so I need to understand it more. I have a pretty good idea. I've been prototyping a lot, but you know that is um, there's only so much prototyping I can do you know, in my, my slice of my time, but that's um, for the summer, right? So it's definitely not a hard start and stop date, but it's basically three months um, you know, like, right, like a paid internship, you figure out that, that sort of like stipend amount. And yeah, we'd work on the reports that we have on this earnings polygraph, figure out if there's a way to make them interactive, summarized, um, things I'm not even thinking of be great. And that could make, um, for a very valuable addition, right? So again, it'd be awesome to see if anyone's interested through, um, any outlet, right. To contact us. Uh, well, I will have, uh, I'll have a link to, to the website in the show notes as well, uh, to get in touch with you. Awesome. Fi- fi- final question. If, if, if you could travel back in time and have a conversation with your younger self, what piece of wisdom or advice would you share based on your experiences and knowledge that you've gained? <laughs> I would, that's funny. I think I was just saying this to somebody, the, uh, understanding that it's going to be a lot of ups and downs for a startup since I did my first startup when I was 17. And I think, um, I did, I kept thinking there was like a terminal point almost like early on versus which shows, I mean, trying not to be cliche, but there's really this like journey of going and being okay with the ups and downs, like knowing I say this with my co-founder, I say it for Helios probably every once a week, I'm sure this comes up (laughs) and just because we have to like, talking we're not talking about like work directly but there's a knowing what's going to come and when you're on a really high it's almost like well you know i know it's going to be uh not always like this and basically enjoying that that ride you know like that has been as a founder who's made it not a side like hustle right because i did that earlier in my career and worked at a company while doing it i worked at a startup that got you know acquired by uh, spotify worked at a growing startup i built startups at fueled so it's always been startups the uh, this one, which has you know been my whole life uh, for now some time, that acknowledgement I would tell myself right because then you sort of like can feel better about what's about to happen. You mm-hmm. can, um, I guess that's why people like mission driven and purpose. You can basically go after something that's not terminal. It's like fulfilling, and then um, yeah, you can round it out and realize like when you're. For me, when I can't work anymore at night, like this is, I'm energized to talk with you. It's later in my day. That's fine. That's cool. And then I can try to unplug tomorrow when I feel like I need to unplug for a little bit. So that is, that is uh, what I tell young Sean if he was 
16 or 17. Sounds like good and, advice to and, me. And, and don't eat a lot of pizza. I'd say that too. Too much pizza in my life. Oh, uh, it's so good though. Literally two pizzas in my fridge right now from yesterday. I'm like, <laughs> I just waiting till we're done with this call. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm thinking about it. But I'm like, don't, uh, you don't need that much, Sean. You can, you can live with like one slice. <laughs> well, the website is helioslife.enterprises. I'll link to that in the show notes. Get in touch with Sean if you're interested in the internship. Uh, and if you want to learn more about what Sean and the crew are doing, just head to, uh, head to that website. Sean, it was great talking with you. Thanks so much for being here. It was a pleasure. Thank you. And thanks to everyone out there watching and listening. Until next time, stay curious, stay creative.